Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. For me, that blew me away first and foremost, that that kids are doing this right under their parents' nose, that mm. you might not know your child's a heroin addict until you walk into their bedroom and find them. You know what I mean? Like that's just so bizarre to me, right? So that was a learning experience. And then the more I talked to people and found out the length, that was the second thing, the length that people go to to hide it. You know, um, I never gave a thought to hiding the needle marks, never thought about it. You know, um, when someone said they were heroin addict, I told you I, I envisioned uh, the track marks on the arm. Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. Jason Lachance here with you, as well as Mikey Naraki. How are you, good sir? What is going on, people? Of course, I personally have a background in alcoholism, also come from childhood trauma, a family with addiction history, and I've taken all that to uh, fuel the future and speak with folks here on the podcast, as Mikey and I do, telling their stories and helping those who need some hope and inspiration. And, and our guest today, Bridget Smith, is no different, Mikey. Bridget Smith. Looking forward to this one, Jason. She's an amazing lady. She personally doesn't have a history of addiction herself, but she is the director of a movie that we're looking forward to seeing that'll be available as of the 29th of this month on demand called Snow Babies. It's about two best friends, smart, popular, college bound, but they're also heroin addicts. And this is actually based on some real experiences that the writer of the film that Bridget also helped with the script for, um, that uh, an occurrence happened in his neighborhood where a student died at one of his children's schools and it wasn't publicized. They buried it. They didn't want it out there. Wanted to keep it quiet. And so this really reminds me of our previous episode that we had with Flint Anderson and uh, Darren Redmond from pain where they were talking about, you know, people have a perception of addicts that it's the, the person under the bridge. No, sometimes it's the kid that's a door or two down from mm-hmm. their parents and it's going on and it happens, uh, you know, because not that their parents aren't loving, but they're just not recognizing the the causes. And so this movie really brings it to light. It is a bit of a, a some heart-wrenching stuff for sure, yeah. but it is really positive. And the interesting thing about it is every sale and stream of the movie and the soundtrack and the song, Maybe It's Time, which was written by 6AM, one of Nikki Six's bands, goes to uh, the uh, Global Recovery Initiative. And uh, it's a great cause. The link is in the podcast description. We highly recommend you look it up. Uh, we're going to get into the soundtrack, which features some amazing rock artists who have struggled with substance abuses themselves or people that are in their family. And uh, interestingly enough, we'll be speaking with one of the bands that's on that soundtrack in a forthcoming episode as well. The lead singer and her story is very personal. So very excited about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. All right, guys. Well, before we get to Bridget, we just want to remind you of all the uh, social posts that you're seeing. Of course, if you're following at Knocking Doors Down on either Instagram or Facebook, you're seeing Mikey and I rocking the 5150 gear. And without 5150, Knocking Doors Down wouldn't be happening, nor would uh, the Carlos Figueroa Foundation. And if you want to know more about the uh, the 
Fruition of 5150. You can read about that in the Knocking Doors Down autobiography by Carlos Vieira. What you can get either by going to kddmediacompany.com or you can also search on Amazon for Knocking Doors Down under the books. And 100% all the funds go directly to the Carlos Vieira Foundation. We are joined with Miss Bridget Smith, director of Snow Babies, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Bridget, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here talking to you guys. Awesome. Well, it's cool to, even though the COVID stuff sucks, we've been able to talk with people all around the uh, United States and, you know, you're over there in Philly, which I've been. Love it there. Hope to get back someday. We're all home. (laughs) We're wanting to connect. (laughs) (laughs) To the best of our abilities. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into uh, the film Snow Babies. Of course, uh, as of the recording of this, the the film won't be out yet. But uh, we're uh, by the time people are hearing this episode, it'll um, I think two days before it comes out. Um, how did this come across for people? Just to give them the the brief description, it depicts the grim realities of addiction and its effect on families. The two characters, Kristen and Hannah, likable college-bound teens, but they're heroin addicts and they're hiding the plight behind, you know, their middle-class suburbia, which is really interesting. I was telling Mikey, you know, wow, this, just reading about that description, we just spoke with these gentlemen from a program in Fresno called Pain, and and they brought up the fact it's it's not these people under bridges that are dying, it's kids two doors down from their parents. So, how did right. this project come about to you and, and what was so compelling for you? Yeah, so um, the screenwriter, uh, uh, Mike Walsh, he had uh, passed on the script to me and he said, I really, and we had, we had worked together. I mean, Philly Born Productions, we, we kind of owned together, but it was kind of, kind of came about after our, our connection. And uh, he asked me to read the script and he just told me that it was inspired by a couple different true events. And and mm-hmm. so I said, Oh, okay. So, uh, but he didn't want to tell me about it. I read it. I was completely blown away. I did not expect it to be as powerful as it was. I mean, uh, taken back was an understatement. And um, uh, it, it's just one of those stories that you, uh, you know, there's stories you read and you're as a, as a director, you're, you're drawn to a script and you're like, God, I really, I really want to tell this story. Right. It's a great story. It started out like that, but what happened is, um, as a director, I work with a screenwriter. So if it, uh, so, if I get sent a, a script and I read it, uh, you before you go into filming, you should be working with that screenwriter for a good. You know, Mike and I worked for about a good six months to get the script exactly right before we go into shooting it. So that means my sensibilities now have to match up with the script and right. and the way I want to shoot it. It all has to kind of work together. So that involved a lot of research. <laughs> so that meant that uh, I had, and I, I've, I've never battled with addiction myself. So this was all, this was all, this whole area was new to me. And yeah. I, and I will say uh, a lot of people, when you think of an addict, when they think of like a heroin addict, I think a lot of people think it's like the person lying on the street mm-hmm. um, with, you know, track marks on their arm and, and, and that's how they're depicted in movies a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's very hard oh, wow. to relate at that point. Because how many people could relate to that at that uh-huh. point? They forget there's an entire person, an entire world behind what that addict, that that addict is a son, that addict's a daughter, a, a father, a, you know, a nephew, a friend. And when I read the script and it was these two teenage girls that reminded me of my niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, how did, 
how does this happen? Yeah. And, and why is, is our view of an addict so wrong? And it is so wrong. Because yes. I've talked to so many people who think because their kid's in a private school and they're in a good neighborhood that somehow they're all, you know, they're all not, that they're not going to catch that. <laughs> oh, them private <laughs> you know, school kids are the worst. Can be. And the kids in the private schools have the money, you know, yeah. and, and, and the access to it. And, oh, yeah. Um, and sometimes, this, it, and sometimes the parents that. are very busy folks that uh, you know aren't there, and so this they don't have that that parental yeah. presence. And the reality is, no judgment there, because let's face it. I mean, most homes today are two working parents. Yes. I mean, yes. and and they're it's very hard to juggle all that. There's absolutely no judgment on that with the parents, no. but I think in sometimes focusing so much on the future, which is understandable sometimes you might lose sight of the present and what's happening kind of right under your nose. And, and the reality is any parent who looks at their 16 year old moody, tired teenager does not think, Oh, my kid's a heroin addict. I mean, right. that's pretty much every teenager I know, you know, sure. so it's, it's tricky. It is tricky, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but I, but early on when I read the story, I was so drawn to it. But after talking to people, I was like, man, I don't, it's more than I just want to tell this story. I need to tell this story. Yeah. And, and I, I really felt the movie had to be fueled kind of on the people that walked in this world, you know, like that's, that's really what I had to keep in mind. And that meant, that meant a lot more research. It meant that the details, God is in the details, you know, <laughs> and meant that I was going to have to really get this right, you know? And so um, the way my approach to the film was very much that it's, it's, it's very raw. It's very gritty. It's very real, unbelievably detailed and unbelievably accurate because a lot of the, the details are taken right from the story of addicts and, you know, their, their stories to us. There was, uh, one 22 year old woman who literally was parallel with our character, Kristen, mm -hmm. you know, she was a heroin addict at 16 in a good suburban home, parent, good parents, you know, and, and uh, she was doing it in her bedroom, you know, <laughs> I yeah. mean, she went yeah. through withdrawal for three days and they, they thought she was being moody and left her alone and because she tried to get clean and it didn't work. And, um, you know, there's, but anyway, there's scenes in the movie that, that when you look at them, you could really, you'll know that they came from actual stories. They were inspired by, you know, it's not, it's not based on a true story, but I, I feel confident to say it's inspired by many yeah. and kind of, you know, um, kind of put all into one film. <laughs> so it's kind of an amalgam of different folks and things that you oh, 100%. had seen. And, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, there's a scene in the film. I always talk about it because it's my favorite scene. So, but um, it's one of my favorites, but there's a scene where um, Kristen is, uh, she's just so desperate for the drug. She doesn't have any. And one of the stories that this, young woman told us is that she would save all the baggies. She would save them. She'd just put them, put them like in her little school duffel bag or in various places because when she didn't have enough money for the heroin, she would then take them, cut the bags and scrape every morsel of like that residue yep, get the just residue, to be yep. able to shoot up. And it's a scene in the movie and Katie Kelly, um, when you see the film, you'll know what I'm talking about, but Katie Kelly who plays Kristen is just, off the charts just amazing amazing and um in this scene she you just i think in that scene it just captures 
And one of the reasons I love it, it captures the, the desperation, that physical need, but it also captures the self-loathing involved within it. I think people don't realize that, you know, nobody's shooting up and saying, isn't this, I feel so great about myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, just, and, and just feeling that, that feeling and what that must do to you and, and to go through life like that. I mean, it, it can't feel good. And so I always say maybe a little less judgment and a little more understanding because if, if we can do away with the stigma, I think there'd probably be a better shot of people reaching out for help, but that's that stigma and that, that shame plays such a big role and it all kinds of comes together in that scene, which is why I love that scene so much. Yeah. And, and you nailed it right there, that, that stigma, which is such a huge part of our mission of ending the stigma in so many different ways of people just being able to talk and, and ask for help and that it's okay. It's a great thing. And you don't have to continue to feel that despair. I know for me, that's when you talk about that as gosh, I remember just being there, you know, uh, for me, it was reaching under the bed, shaking so bad and then grabbing the beer can and, Oh, I didn't finish this one, you know? And, and then oh, it, a very the, similar thing. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and so, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It's interesting. And I want to uh, talk about the soundtrack a little bit later on, but I remember talking with uh, Nikki six, of course, 6am, uh, his uh, band submitted, has several songs on the soundtrack, but when he put out the heroin diaries and just him talking about that too. And here it is, this guy I looked up to as a kid, it, you know, big rock star, you know, huge tours, many platinum albums. And you're like, what does he have to want to use drugs about? And until, you know, people like this willing to open up their stories and realize how much childhood trauma plays into it all. Oh, my gosh. So much plays into it. You know, I mean, there's so many different things that play into it. Yeah. And Nikki's like, I love him because he's just that guy is just so just flat out cool, you know, <laughs> and he's out there saying, you can do it. I, you know, do, I mean, there's no one cooler than Nikki, right? He's yeah. such a great messenger. You know what I mean? Yeah. He really is, you know? Um, yeah. His songs. Uh, it's so funny. Um, not to get off because I'm sure you want to talk about the soundtrack, but um man, there's a couple songs on the soundtrack uh, that I was like nutty for. And I was like, I have, this song has to be in the movie. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, please let us, let us be in the movie. And we got them. <laughs> yeah, it really uh, is. I mean, to run it down yeah. for, for people, I mean, Deuce, uh, Hell Yeah, uh, Corey Marks from Ashes to New, 6AM has several songs, Bang Bang Romeo, Eve Under Fire, which we're going to be talking with uh, Amanda from that band. Oh, uh, you're going to love her. Yeah, I know she's got a great story. Bad Wolves, of course. I know, uh, you know, Tommy Vex has escaped the fate. And, you know, so how did you guys go about working up the soundtrack? Was it just because it was a part of Better Noise, who you worked in conjunction yeah, with, that you were able to access yeah, it? Yeah, Better Noise. They, they were amazing, man. They're working with Alan Kovac. He's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, he really is, um, and such a great guy. And when, you know, even collaborating with him on the film, you know, like he's a big music guy, but he's smart. He knows, yeah. he, he knows what he's doing. He knows about film. He, he knows what you want to be feeling. And, and, um, we worked with him, um, on, on the, the soundtrack and, and getting just the right. So to me, I, I love music and, you know, I mean, everyone does, right. I mean, that's why everyone sits in their car crying the songs when they're alone. <laughs> Been, I mean, there. Music, <laughs> Been there. Been <laughs> there. You know? yeah. 
music is moving. For me, I always, I, I think it's another character in the film. I think music has its own voice, its own dialogue in the film. And I look at it that way. So I was, very, and I edited the film, so you know. Um, I'm the director, I'm also the editor. So I was very strategic on the placement of the songs and why I wanted them there. And uh, and and Alan was brilliant in in knowing what songs would be the right songs, yeah. you know, for the film and and left it up to me to kind of place them. But um <clears throat> but yeah, there's uh there's a it's a powerful uh it's a powerful soundtrack and there's no doubt about it, um, it raises the bar. Of the film it just it just does for for as, as good as the film is it's now better it's now better because of the music and you know it's exactly what you want yeah absolutely when i was looking at it i was going uh, before we were able to make contact he was like oh she's a smart lady because you know i think those those soundtracks to movies like purple rain that really made it really depicted it yeah. and, you know and here it is the you know all of these artists, because I worked in rock radio for 20 years, and it was just like, wow, this is one of the best compiled soundtracks I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very, we're all pretty proud of the soundtrack, you know. I mean, at any point, you can put on the movie, close your eyes, and honest to God, you'll still be in heaven. It'll all make sense, you know, because the soundtrack <laughs> tells a story in and of itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. No so what were some of the biggest maybe misconceptions you had about addiction prior to going in? Like you said, no personal background of it. Uh, we did yeah. talk a little bit before recording. You came from a big Irish Catholic family where, you know, yeah. where it's normal. I was normal. familiar with alcohol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was familiar with alcohol. Make no mistake about it. Um, so that one I, I, I was familiar with to an extent. But the weird thing is when you grow up and there's so much of it, it's, you don't even think about it. Yeah. You don't. You don't. And when you're a kid, you don't notice things. You know, you don't. You know, I, I can't say for certain I was ever in a car with someone who had too much to drink because, you know, people who often I feel like the people I've known who, who have been alcoholics, they're the ones I could. I can't tell. Sure. I can't tell when they're sober or drunk. You know what I mean? To be honest, when they've got too much to drink or it didn't, whereas, you know, the people who I knew in my life who drank too much that they didn't handle it well, they were, you know, the, the ones falling over and it was like, okay, so not don't get in the car with that person. But alcohol I was familiar with to an extent. But um yeah, drugs. I was literally the kid who I, I wanted nothing to do with it. It was out there. I saw it. I saw the effects it had on friends who were just, it, I think for me, I have a very, uh, I don't have a very addictive personality. Um, I, I'm not, a, I have trouble with commitment. So <laughs> <laughs> there's commitment issues and honest to God for me to commit to like an addiction is too exhausting. I don't even know if I can do it. I don't know. I just don't seem to have that personality. <laughs> but, and that's the truth. But, um, uh, but yeah, and even when I've seen, I never wanted to get that close to it. And, and I had a great group of friends growing up and we all kind of stayed clear. So that being said, when I'm reading this script and I'm, and I'm asking the writer, well, what in the world inspired you to write it? And he was telling me in the story and his, he lived in a really great uh, area um, in Bucks County, nice suburb. Um, I guess uh, um, there was a story in his daughter's school, high school where I guess a kid had died from a heroin overdose and oh they kept boy. it quiet. They, oh so they just, well, I guess, you know, they thought, let's not talk about this. Let's keep it quiet. We don't want any bad publicity. And that really oh, bothered geez. him, you know? So 
um, as a writer, that's what inspired him to tell the story. And then it kind of just, you know, evolved from there. So when I was reading it, and that's very much in there. I mean, it's, 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 that's, that's the story, right? So um, for me, that blew me away first and foremost, that, that kids are doing this right under their parents' nose, that mm-hmm. you might not know your child's a heroin addict until you walk into their bedroom and find them. You know what I mean? Like, that's just so bizarre to me, right? So that was a learning experience. And then the more I talked to people and found out the length, that was the second thing, the length that people go to to hide it. You know, um, I never gave a thought to hiding the needle marks, never thought about it. You know, um, when someone said they were heroin addict, I told you, I, I envisioned uh, the track marks on the arm. Sure. But the places that that addicts um, told me that they shoot up yeah. to to hide it, I was I was shocked. Between the toes, between the toes, between the toes, and, oh, yeah. um, under the tongue. Which yeah. oddly enough, um, uh, Mike actually was saying that was a big thing. I guess uh, in, in the Vietnam War, a lot. I guess of the soldiers coming back who had addictions would shoot up under their tongue. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. That was a place. Couple one other ones in the film. I won't say it now, but you're going to see it, and that's really going to rock your world. <laughs> because yeah. I, I, I was like, what? Yeah, I, I'm not going to assume, but but men, because of the nature of our genitalia, that uh, you know, oh, I've heard oh, stories of, of. Okay, well, this yeah, one, yeah, this so. one, yes, I did too. I did too. This one was for the two girls. We used it in the film because someone told us about it, and I was like, nah. Ugh, so yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. So just shocking just shocking yeah. to me um you know um even you know even something is like um that i learned about when people come out of um when they overdose the narcan the effect narcan has on them when they come out of it now i have seen i've seen a couple movies where um that that dose of narcan is given and one it was a really big movie and and i was so surprised because when the person got the narcan shot they simply opened their eyes and like kind of glary eyed smiled and I was like, Oh, that was nice. It's a nice way to wake up from Narcan. Right. Um, but then like I watched countless videos, man, because all of it's out there. I mean, it's all, if you want to watch it and you look it up on YouTube, you'll find so much, but, but even the way the person comes out like that, that to me, like all those details I, are, were so important to me to mm-hmm. to get right you know i just felt like you you almost ha- i had like an obligation to get it right i just found this like weight of all these people that had gone through it and, and parents that had lost children we 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 spoke to so many parents that had lost kids and these are great parents or great mm-hmm. families we invited them to set they were extras in a couple scenes and um, they really affected the cast, you know, um, just being in the room with them, you know, but, um, and withdrawal, what I learned about all the, all the things that people go through with withdrawals, this, this, the, the, you know, the, the sweating I've seen, I've seen the shaking, Mm -hmm. um, scratching behind the knees that, there's a one that's in the film that I've never seen on film, but we had several addicts tell us it's an absolute um, a symptom of withdrawal. So it's in our film, but um, yeah, I was just so surprised that the stomach problems, it's just amazing. Like the stomach problems and yeah. wow. 
like that also was like an eye opener to me. You know, it really was. Yeah, you know, it's sure. having seen it firsthand with uh, not with heroin, but definitely you know derivatives thereof of people and just the the shutting down of your entire system and um, the whole system. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <clears throat> just heartbreaking and heart wrenching, and then when things get. Uh, you know, active again and stuff like that, and it's it it, it, it almost reverts you. It reminds me of, of, of not to compare, but just so people understand, like a sick child. Oh when, yeah. When they oh, when yeah. they have no control over everything, and it's it's heart wrenching. It is uh, absolutely, and um, even you know, uh, again, like uh, it's all these things are very accurately uh, displayed in the film, but um, you know, it's it's. It's hard to watch, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's necessary. I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I got to tell you too, Bridget, that scene you were talking about with uh, saving up all the old baggies and then scraping all of it off, that sounds spot on because my drug of choice was cocaine. It was not heroin, but okay. it would be the yeah. same thing. You know, you'd get them and you'd try to flick just that little last piece of it or get your, you know, credit card and try to scrape that little off the CD player. And it's just, yeah, it's no joke. And that... I haven't seen that, obviously, but it sounds like you guys nailed it. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. I'll tell you what, it's it's so powerful. And look, that's a credit to mm-hmm. my uh, my actress, uh, to my actresses in the film. You know, um, Katie Kelly uh, plays Kristen, and mm-hmm. she is just gonna she's gonna not, you're not gonna believe it because no. I cast her when she was 17. Oh, and God, I was like so resistant to casting. I, I said I would never cast anyone under 18. However, she did turn 18 by the time we filmed. Right. But um, when I tell you she is so powerful in this role, you, you're you just, it, it's going to blow you away. And Paula Andina, who plays Hannah, the, the two of them together are just, they're just gems. They, they're, they're beautiful inside and out. They did the research. They took it to heart. They, you know, to them, it was this movie and became bigger for everybody. I mean, it can't, it can't not because yeah. you just, we were, we were in such personal contact with so many people who went through this and so many people who lost loved ones. There's, uh, there's no way this wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. This became very personal for all of us. And it became bigger than a movie. It became like a movement where we were all like, we're going to save lives and we're going to open people's eyes and start a conversation. And when you go in like that, you know, it, it's hands down one of the best sets I've ever worked on. And and I think the reason was everybody, it, because no one's there for the money, right? I mean, you're a small indie film set. I mean, no one's there because they're getting paid millions of dollars, but mm-hmm. the love and the care, and that's across the board. That's from the actors, the crew, you know, you have the guy pulling focus, tearing up during the scene. You're like, wow, this is success because mm-hmm. most crew members, you know, they're like on their phones when you're doing stuff, talking to actors. They're, it's just, they were in it. Everybody mm-hmm. was in it. The the DP, you know, and so I think it shows a lot of love and care. I think went into making this um, to do like an overall good, you know, have a message. So yeah. that sounds incredible. Well, I could yeah. only imagine it's such a hard uh, area of of subject <laughs> that it it wouldn't be be heart wrenching. And it's not a knock on the the big box office films because I love those. That's what I wanted to do when I went to film school and. Uh, but I could yeah. I could only imagine that the subject matter would would pull a lot of emotion out of folks and maybe even trigger maybe they had loved ones too that that suffered from addiction at different points and so it just it, yeah. all too yeah. familiar. 
Yeah, and I think the hope is that um, everybody will in some way identify with someone in this film. Someone will resonate with you in in this film. I do think that all parents should see it. And um, and as, uh, you know, uh, all teenagers, I do. I I think um, I think it would be an eye opener. And um, and it's not. You know, it's not like a fairy tale uh, movie. I didn't take too many creative liberties <laughs> with this. I was pretty, you know, I really tried to be pretty accurate. So um, you can't you can't watch it and say, well, that's totally fabricated fiction never happened. No, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. You know, and it's if, happening all around you. And if not, <laughs> if not in your home, parents, and maybe the home next door, at uh, your uh-huh. you know your child's best friend's home, or somewhere else, it's uh, we oh need we God. need some cautionary tales to remind us of that at times and, yeah. and open our eyes. That's right. Yeah, and it, this is a cautionary tale. And it's double hard too because you know some parents don't know what's going on with their kids. You know, even though it's right down the hallway, but some parents have an idea. Like Ric Flair, when we talked to him, when they said that his son tested Triple H was like, "Hey, your son tested positive." He's like, "There's, there's no way that yeah. that's not my son. That's that's not true. There's no way." So denial would be a huge factor as well. And it's just denial is a huge be, factor. Yeah, it's just got to be. It's, it's in the film. Oh yeah. It's, you know, you I'm have sure, these loving yeah. parents and, you know, uh, and they're too working. They're very, you know, but the, the, the mom and also, you know what else too, I love too. That's part of this film. It's, it's the, 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 this connection we have in life, it, it, you know, like I'm ready to talk and tell you, but you're not ready to listen at that moment. And then when you're ready to talk and say, Hey, let's talk, I'm not ready. And, that just happens so much in life. And, oh, it's just those, those, that lack of communication, those misconnections, those, those moments that you can't get back, you know, and, and that's what happens in this film, especially with uh, the mom, Mm. you know, it happens. uh, Shannon, brilliant actress, uh, Shannon Wilson, she plays the mom and you, you really believe she's, she really like, she's a mom. You're like this, (laughs) this is a busy mom. She is, busy and she loves her kids and she is just she reminded me of my sister in a lot of ways to be honest with you know my sister does ten thousand things she's always like and she announces you know i gotta do this i gotta do this then i gotta do this i gotta pick you up and that's kind of the way it is and and it's all out of making life perfect for everybody you know but um um you 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 do miss things so you know and i think people are very judgmental too with parents i mean i've it breaks my heart when I hear people make comments like, you know, well, the, 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 that's because of the parents or there's, there's, a, it's like, well, I mean, you can't do that either. Right. These are great parents who love their kids. You know, it's not because your, your child's a heroin addict. You're this like absent parent who doesn't love your child and isn't paying attention and doesn't care. I mean, things happen yeah. all the time under your nose. You miss things. And like I said, whoever looks at their teenager and thinks they're a heroin addict, who, who, that's your child. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like really evident who, you know, the signs of it are clearly addicts are great at hiding yeah. and they perfect lying. Oh you know, gosh. Lying mm-hmm. We, we God. addicts are a phenomenal at it because we lie to ourselves first and foremost. So it makes it exactly. easy. That's exactly right. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I just, 
think if we could all have a great conversation and keep it going, not just around election time, which seems to happen, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. it becomes the hot topic around election time. And then, and then after election, it just kind of dies back down again, you know? So it's like, it's, you can't, we can't let that happen. We got to keep it, got to keep the conversation going. And, and I think that if we're able to do that, it, it could only get better and we can only have people more aware, raise awareness and, you know, ultimately do some good. Yeah, I mean, we're getting so much more education out there. That's funny, in the midst yeah. of this conversation, I had this uh, buddy of mine that was older in high school, and uh, he looked like a young Jean-Claude Van Damme, so I'd always do my Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hey, Frankie, what's going on, huh? <laughs> um, and I would have never known, but was an addict and some serious trauma and ended up taking his own life. And, you know, uh. we're just... I, I not until I got older went through all the things that I did that I was angry for so many years like why you were the nicest guy everybody loved you all the girls thought you were you know all these things not realizing how we can just be so empty inside and if we're and if we're not raising those voices and silencing them we're gonna lose a lot more people oh I, I totally agree and, and and right now with the COVID situation going on I mean it it's getting worse and, and basically everything we're told to do for COVID is complete opposite of what someone needs to do mm -hmm. who, who's going through recovery. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's polar opposite because it's all about those connections. That's, yep. that's what's keeping you, you know, so it, it, it absolutely breaks my heart for people who are battling addiction and people who are, have any type of mental illness or battering and you're, you're telling them, you know, stay secluded Ugh, yeah. it's just it's so sad so this it, is such a hard time it, re it really yeah it definitely is for sure um <laughs> let's talk a little bit about bridget uh, growing up well, how did we get into film we got to get a little huh? background on that because i'm always so yeah. interested because i grew up in the middle of nowhere and movies and tv <laughs> were my friends yeah i was um so i grew up in south philly um which is Rocky Balboa territory. That was exactly <laughs> my life. That was everybody around me, nice. my brother. Um, so, uh, but I, I was always, I was al always had the bug since I was, I was little. And that's, I'll be honest with you, that, that might've been the one thing that did kept me, oh, it kind of kept me from going down a different path. I, I would at any given moment, I remember my friends when I was like a teenager trying to get me to go out to like hang on the corner because that's all you could do in the city is hang on the corner. I mean, right. it's not as bad as it sounds, but I remember so many times I'm like, no, I'm going to catch an independent film with my mom and dad. You know? <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's what I'm doing because this is a great independent film. You know, so I was always, and I love being alone I would read scripts I, I would act them out I, I did crazy stuff you know like that and that's honestly what I thrived on that made me so happy um there weren't it's not like today like I didn't go to camp as a kid like nobody right. goes to camp now like we didn't have a camp I mean I think there was like a camp in a schoolyard you could drop your kid off for the day or something it was like you yo Bridget <laughs> sneak through the fence you'll be all right yeah, yeah, just climb the fence you can come so i was like it wasn't as appealing like today they have all these like great camps i'm like damn i want those i want that um we didn't have that so i had to kind of entertain myself um but in college that's where i was like oh in college i took acting classes but i went in major in theater i went to temple uh, mm. university i went major in theater i majored in uh communications 
but I took all the acting classes and I was in the plays and I, I was, I was an actress and I loved it. And, um, I was a uh, more of a stage actress, you mm. know, I love stage. And then, um, and I told you I moved out to LA and stuff, but, uh, but I always kept it going. And I think at the end of the day, I just kind of realized I'm, I'm a storyteller sure. and whether it's, um, I'm acting or I did stand up comedy for a little bit, actually. Um, I was on Comedy Central really? know, for one of their shows. I was going to yeah. ask how the stand-up went, but if you're on Comedy Central, it sounds like it went pretty well. I, I, you know, is, oddly enough, I, I, I probably had the started to have the most success at stand-up, and yet I bowed out because, you know, the life of, of a stand-up wasn't really for me. I, I'm very much like a, part of the reason I am such a, a theater person, at the, you know, and a film person is I love the collaboration. And, um, sure. and there's almost a, there's a loner aspect to stand up comics and mm -hmm. um, uh, it's not, not really for me. And um, although I love telling stories and that's what I did, honestly, as a stand up, it was a lot of like, you know, and that's, and I did, I had a lot of fun, but it's just the life of the stand up wasn't really for me. But um, I, I can in the, understand that. Oh man. And you, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in that world too. I got news for yeah. you. I mean, uh, all these worlds, I mean, it, it just is, I was very, very aware of it. Um, when I was doing stand up, I was because I, um, it's just a lot, it's, it's a very hard life. You know, it's weird. You see these comics on stage and they're, they're comics, right? They're making you laugh. And then sometimes the sadness when they're not on yeah. stage, the whatever's going on inside of them is like, man, I, and I, I was very aware of that. And I just found that so ironic that your life is to make people laugh and, and there's such a sadness and that, mm -hmm. that, that's, Clearly, that's not all, but that's I did encounter that enough that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We sad. had a, a gentleman, uh, Frank King, on, which is a great episode in our archives, and he had uh, suicidal ideation. So he was talking about a situation where uh, a tire blew out on my car. Okay, I can get a new tire, a new car, or I could just kill myself. And that was his solution of things, you know, and wow. a hilarious man, but it's just the way his brain thinks with solutions to problems. Yeah. And you, yeah. know, you see someone like a Robin Williams or, uh, you know, some of those other great comedians. Uh, uh, I was a huge Mitch Hedberg fan. You oh, know, my, oh, my God. Of, uh, addiction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I would love for somebody to tell his story one day, but it'd be so hard oh. to find an actor that could pull off the comedy part of it. Oh, but. man. That, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But that's a great example. It's uh, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyway, so I got in the writing and next thing you know, I directed theater and some plays and then I was, you know, so I, I really just love story. Yeah. I love story. I love characters. And when I read a script, that's, it's, it's the characters that grab me first. You know, I, I actually have to fall in love with at least one, possibly two. Just, I always have to fall in love with right. the character. But then story, it's it's anything to do with story. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I just love. I love telling stories. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. when is Snow Babies uh, the release? Obviously, with theaters, limited uh, theaters open around the country, it's going to be available on demand, correct? It's going to be on demand. Yeah, it was going to do a, a release, but with all this going on, um, uh, mm -hmm. we're going to go the video on demand, which so many movies are. Sure. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be, it's going to be on a number of platforms. I know it's on um, iTunes right now and Fandango. Uh, you, you could 
pre-buy it, but it's going to be on Amazon as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, the, the, if you go to the websites, nobabiesmovie.com, it, it pretty much will list all the sites where uh, the streaming services where you can find it. Yeah. Excellent. Now I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'll, I'll pre-market on Amazon. Uh, let's talk a little bit background though. Of course, um, the 6am song, um, Artist for Recovery, maybe it's time, it's out there, a lot of people probably heard it. Great song, but Corey Taylor, Joe Elliott, Brantley Gilbert, Ivan Moody of Five Finger Death Punch, Slash, AWOL Nation, and Tommy Vexed of Bad Wolf's all in there. What was it like to have this Artist for Recovery piggyback, yeah. well, not piggyback for, not the right term, but work in conjunction, obviously you mentioned Alan Kovac, a, a big prominent name for folks who are not familiar. I actually have a funny story I told Mikey the other day about how I got through to his office one time, directly spoke to him. Um, you did? But, yeah, it was, uh, well, I'm a huge Motley Crue fan, huge Nikki Six, and all those guys. And so it was probably 14, 15 years ago when it was 11-7 and, you know, him and Nikki Six launched 11-7. that. And, uh, and, and uh, Tommy Lee's manager at the time, I was uh, showing Vegas. I was going to, and I said, you know, well, I got to meet you guys. Well, I can't help you with the whole band. I can with Tommy. Uh, you know, if you want to get like, I was a picture I'd had with him prior. Something was going to get autographed, but you can call this number and ask for Alan. Okay. And then I realized the lady, Alan Kovac's office. I'm like, yes, is Alan available? Oh, you know, Jason, the chance I was sitting by blah, 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 Tommy, you know, and whatever reason that day, I, instead of the you know, he's busy. He'll try to call you back. It was like, Jason, Alan, what's, what do you need? Well, I'm going to be in Vegas and all this. What's your full name? All right. Wrote it down. Hey, all right. Why does your name look familiar? Uh, radio guy. I email you all the time. Excellent. You're all set, kid. Have a great time. You know, I was like, whoa, okay. So that's my, my Alan Kovac story. Probably boring to everybody else, but me. So. I think that's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> so artists artists for recovery if we could talk yeah. about that as part of conjunction of, of the film as well yeah absolutely i mean <clears throat> again uh, that was that's quite a uh, a powerhouse of talent you know involved and i believe i believe all of them have a, a background with addiction you know correct um, and them jumping on board to well just so you know like for me uh i saw that with you when it debuted now i knew about it i was aware of it and i knew like i I was so excited um i watched it with my mom actually she she didn't know who any of these guys were she's 80 (laughs) and she flip out over it. She loved it. She said it makes me, it almost made me cry. And she wanted to watch it again and again. Wow. And I'm like, wow. I was like, this, this had that song and had such an impact on my mom. I was like, this is like, I can't imagine what it's doing to everybody else who knows who these guys are. Right. And uh, I mean, that's, <clears throat> yeah, that was incredible. That was so exciting. And that was, I, I that was sheer brilliance. Yeah. on Alan's part to bring all that to bring all that together and um and then and then the you know the proceeds go into the global recovery initiatives uh, foundation i mean my god it, it doesn't get any better than that yeah it certainly doesn't yeah which yeah. we'll have a link for those listening in the description for the uh, global recovery foundation so you can get more details on that too and of course and, the and, movie as well and the profits of the um i'm sorry the the cool. profits of uh the better noise also uh they go there too for the film, you know. Oh, wow. So every time you download and stream the film, the profits from 
their portion is is going as well. That's so great. Very good. So yeah, yeah. Does it bring sure. it really full circle for you to have that as a component of releasing this project? Yeah, a hundred percent. It really does bring it full circle. Yeah, and and it, it just shows you know how many people there are um, that are supporting it, supporting the film, supporting us, and and supporting the uh, the the mission. You know, which yeah. which you know our hashtag is left save lives, but you've never met a group of people that take that more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and continually trying to figure out ways to to do just that. Like what, what more can we do? I, you know, everybody involved from better noise films, better noise music from Philly born, everybody from the actors, I swear you wake up every day and you're like, okay, so what can we do today to save lives? Like what, what more can we do? How can we promote it? How can we get the word out there? And uh, that's a great feeling, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes, it that's is. A- Yes, it it's is. It's positive. And it, I feel like with everything, so there's so much negativity right now. There just is. Oh, you know? Lord. You know? God. You just wake up every day and it's, it's just gets one day just it's more negative than the next in terms, in terms of what's coming at you. And it's like, okay, what's just, next? That's what's exactly. Next? It's almost <laughs> like, yeah, it's not that it's comical, but there's it's just like, my God. Like, it's like yeah. can we all get a break, you know? You know, like in the middle of COVID, there were like some killer beetles or something. Like it was just yeah. like the killer was, hornets. But after everything, hornet. they saw what was happening. They're just like, yeah, we'll come back <laughs> we're later. Going home. We'll come back you later. Messed up <laughs> in our world, but it is. It's true. Like it's constant. So to have something just for your own mental health, to have something so positive to to throw yourself into. You know, I I can't speak for everybody, but for me that's that's 100 percent what i need to get through the day and so that's that is how i get through the day so yeah. i turn off everything mm-hmm. i don't i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear everyone's so polarized i don't want to hear it yeah. i just want to hear how can we get better what can we do to make things better and um you know just try to focus on the good because there's a lot of good yes there is it's hard not to get weighed down to the bad, but there's a lot of good stuff and you know yeah, this is good. And I don't think it's us trying to pull the veil over our uh, over our eyes. It's we're incredibly aware of it, but the, the, you aren't going to change a lot of those individuals' minds and jump into it. Believe me, I made the mistake of trying. Uh, but <laughs> you can push out as much positivity towards things as possible. One hundred percent. And yeah, one hundred percent. And I and I know as you brought it up for for addicts, you know, addiction the opposite of connectivity, and that for me has been the hardest thing because when we started this project, it was we were going to be going out and speaking to people, we were going to get in front of of kids in uh, rehab facilities, and you know, and uh, it's just like that being sheltered is just you know, it's been so incredibly hard uh, for yeah, for I me bet. just as an individual. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, what you guys are doing now is an awesome thing. So you have you. to feel you have to feel great about everything you're doing right yeah. now. And, but, um, and we've you had, go back. We once this is all over, you plan on getting out there. Are you gonna are you happy right where you are? That's the goal. Oh no, yeah, we. I want to get out. Yeah, you will. You know, yeah. still want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get Good. out, speak with people, hear some some different stories, and. Uh, we've had so many great guests to be able to get out and, you know, if we can have some of them come or if it's something where we can access, like, for instance, your film and take it to a to a place and show, 
you know, right. a, a, a group of teenagers or, or individuals yeah. that are, might be entering rehab along with their families or whatever it is that we can get out and just make that some sort of little connectivity, little bit of change and letting people know you're not alone and you can right. turn the corner. Most of all, that's the, that's the main message that yeah. what you just said right there, that, you know, you're not alone. You can you know, recovery is, is not only possible, it's waiting for you. It's mm-hmm. there. There's people that are, they want to help, you yeah. know, it's just a matter of, of reaching out, but it's there. Yeah. You know, and, and, certain- and yeah, I mean, I, it, it takes me back to thinking, you know, haven't you haven't worked with Nikki six, if that guy could do it, anybody could, we had Brandon anybody. Novak of, I was just going to say Brandon Jackass Novak, fame yeah. and then, you know, his episode in the archives for people, if, if he can do it, you can too. So it's, you know, there is life. There is life. Yes. For many sad outcomes there are, there are just as many positive, wonderful ones. Right. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Miss Bridget, we uh, like to wrap up with uh, some rapid fire questions. Unless Mikey, you had anything else for, uh, for Miss Smith before we get to those? No. Let's nope. hit the rapid questions. All right, you're up first, good man. All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? <gasps> um, Probably a little sprinkle of uh, positivity. I that's love my that. <laughs> that's one of my, I think that's the best answer I've heard so far. Oh, uh, really? I really do, yeah. We'll get some, oh. a lot of flying, which is mine too, so I'm not hating on it. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. a little sprinkle of positivity. Mine's healing, so. Like Tinkerbell. Yeah. I wouldn't have her bad attitude. <laughs> um, you know, I just have a little to sprinkle it over people. And God, it would go so far. You go over it. just a really angry, just sourpuss, and just here you go. Here you go. And then all this <laughs> the mean guy at the grocery store, <laughs> right? Enjoy your sprinkles. Enjoy your sprinkles. You're positive. Oh, shoot. Your bagel's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Stop telling. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, who's been your biggest inspiration or mentor in life? Oh, that's a tough one. I tend to latch on to to so many oh, people okay. for so many different reasons. God, sure. I'm trying to think if I have one answer for that. Um, I don't think I have one answer. I will say, you know. Um, I, I do tend to look up to a lot of women um, in, 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 and they're, they're not names. They're, sure. they're women in my life, you know, who, uh, because I know as a woman, I know when I see a woman in a position, a high up position, I, I, I know what they had to do to get there. So when I know them personally, I know what it means. And I have so much respect because there's, you know, you have to, you have to fight so much to get there. Yeah. And, um, so I tend to look up to them and I, I, you know, so I would say that I don't have one name, um, but there's just, there's many, awesome. there's many women that I admire. And, and a lot of them are, uh, are moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that juggling that they do with kids and career, the moms that I see that do have to do that. I I'm just in all of them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, likewise. Moms in general, I'm inspired by moms. I, I think moms are just awesome. I do. When I see a good mom, I'm like, wow, you're like my hero. I love it. Yeah. Okay. If you could have dinner with anybody, anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. My answer is going to be so shallow. I shouldn't even say it. No, trust me. Trust me. We've gotten some gnarly answers. 
shoot. Yeah, we've got okay, them all well, over the board. And I just want you to know, I am a constantly changing, evolving person. So it depends <laughs> on the day you ask me this question. But one thing out of COVID, believe it or not, that I I did not a love I had not going into COVID that I have now is for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I swear I was going to say, what is it like Ryan Gosling or something? I swear I was going to say that. I want to tell you why it's Ryan Gosling. All right. Okay. Not Please. because Ryan Gosling's a good looking guy. There's lots of good looking guys. I'm not impressed. That's not. He's fine. It's as an actor, I have watched every one of his movies in COVID and I think Ryan Gosling is the most incredible actor and he embraces such a variety of roles oh, and yeah. characters. Yeah. And uh, he did a movie, uh, Jersey Lars and the real woman. And I, I don't think mm, a lot no, a lot of people no. I know did, did it. They saw it now because I was like, you must watch it. It's just, I just have such a respect for, for actors that take risks. Sure. And, and and he does his just the variety of, of characters and roles. And I think he's so talented. Plus, he seems like a really good guy. And I think his wife is amazing. And so from afar, I don't know them personally. Sure. sure but yeah. I just like I just like them and what they're about. So, yeah. So I'd have dinner with him, but he has to bring his wife because she's just too, way too cool not to come. <laughs> <laughs> have dinner with both and it them. does help that he's devastatingly handsome as well, too. I'm sure. You know what? Hey. <laughs> That's your thing. Leave me at don't bring your issues. Don't put them on me. I'm telling you. Don't pull that shallow <laughs> card for Bridget. I have a shallow one too. Mine would be Sophia Vergara. I think she's funny, and you know she is very easy on the eyes. So that's who. Hello, I Mikey. How'd you do? I love oh her. I love I'll Sophia Vergara. My dinner. You can come to my dinner. Bring Sophia. We can all <laughs> well, but but right. you got to look at her husband too, and it's like, damn, that that's couple's her boyfriend. Too, no, they're married. <laughs> they're married. Damn it! You're like, that couple is too damn good looking. All right, fine. I'll, Bridget, I'll go with you. I'll hang out with Eva Mendez. You and Ryan can talk. Oh, wait, no, I want Eva too. Okay, fine. We'll all just Listen, have a big table for four. Table for four. <laughs> hey, why did I get left out? Who do I got to bring to get to this table? You come? <laughs> Sorry, man. Fifth wheel. That's uh, all right. I'm used to it at this point in life. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, <laughs> All right, this is one that I find funny, Bridget, or fun because uh, I enjoy history and stuff, especially like the oh, Wild West. But uh, if you could travel anywhere in time, but you had to stay there, where would it be and why? So you can go into the past or the future if you want. Um, I would probably go into. Um, so I have a thing for cowboys. And you don't see them too much anymore. But if you go back to like the Bonanza era, so sure. what are we talking? We're talking like, <laughs> yeah, what is that? What is that? Early night? What, what is it? Like, I don't know. What's yeah. the era? Like that era? Like I literally, I'm horrible. With I used to want to be um, a little Cartwright. I used <laughs> to want to be their little sister. I was obsessed with the show. I think cowboys with their hats and the, I do. You don't really see that anymore. I guess maybe not as much. Although Yellowstone. Yeah. I'm all over Yellowstone. Do you guys seen watch that? that? I haven't seen I've watched that. a couple of episodes. It's probably some of the best stuff that Costner's done in a long time. I said the same thing. I think Kevin Costner, he has hit his mark. He's in his prime. Kevin Costner is phenomenal. Yeah. I haven't the heard whole... anything negative about Yellowstone. I've heard nothing but good things about I gotta check because it out. Because it's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm obsessed. I'm Yellowstone <laughs> obsessed. So you know what? I don't even have to go in the past. Just send me over to Yellowstone. <laughs> I'll go I'll <laughs> between them. I'm good with send that. Send you to the set. That's funny 
funny you mentioned Bonanza. My parents used to take us to Universal Studios all the time as a kid, and I had the little tin Bonanza mug, and I wish I still had it somewhere, you know? It's like, I'm out yeah, here with the cart rats. It was so weird. I was like a little kid watching it, and it was very odd that I was like five and obsessed with, oh, yeah. you know, Bonanza and Gunsmoke and all those. I don't know. There was just something I loved about it. I, you yeah. know, things are so, it's so confusing to be a man and woman right now because it's like, I feel so, I don't know like I don't know how you're supposed to act or like right. I feel like it's confusing I, I feel for men like if you hold out a door you better be doing that for the right woman if you open the door sure think it goes so wrong personally you could always open my door oh yeah, yeah I love all that stuff but it is it's a very confusing time and when you go back when I go back into those old movies and all where everyone was so respectful yeah. of each other and not always just in the movies right. but, um, anyway, you know what i'm saying history is yeah. much different yeah it was, it was okay where ladies were treated like ladies and the men were gentlemen i'm, I'm good with that i like that you yeah. know that's no, funny you mentioned that it wasn't that long ago i told some uh, lady that she looked nice and are you hitting on me it's like i've known you for five years i'm, yeah. I'm just <laughs> i'm just saying you look nice today i'm, I'm gonna go I'm going to go. It was so nice back when it wasn't so confusing, you know, sure. like um, I, a woman I know got offended because someone called her hun. And I said, well, wait a minute. You know, if he was calling you hun in a condescending, like go, I said, but my dad, my dad called everybody hun and you mm -hmm. wouldn't have met a sweeter man in your life, respectful, but he, he called women, hey, hun, it was like a term of endearment yeah. and, you know, so. Yeah. I don't know if I the thing is too is when you hold the door open for a girl and you know she just walks in and doesn't say anything. I'm like, you're oh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it took. Yeah. Listen, I get mad when I go to Target and hold the door and someone just walks in. I'm oh, like, you my could gosh. say that. I just held the door for you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, now that we're in a pandemic, I don't touch doors. Jason can uh, vouch for me now. Everywhere we go, I'm like, I can't touch it. It's yep. dirty. Jason, uh, handle the door. Right. That's what I look like in a bathroom coming out of the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm a germ my entire life, so I got this down. I know how to butt it. That germaform, our germaphobe <laughs> stuff is no joke now, and this has just made uh, it so much worse. Yeah. No, but I think it's more shocking to men. Women have pretty much been there for a while, but I all the men I know are like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Welcome to our world." Like yeah. this has been like since the but now it's oh, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. see that changing. That's no. been an awakening. No, no, I agree. <laughs> Mikey, got another one here? I do, I do. So, if a movie was made of your life, what genre yeah. would it be, and who would play you? Ooh. Mm -hmm. um, what, it would definitely, uh, it would have to be a comedy. Yeah. I think <laughs> it would have to be, without a doubt. Um, uh, yeah, and who would play me? Um, well... She, it depends on what age you're capturing me, but the perfect person at some point would have been Sandra Bullock. Oh, she would yeah, have been I great, could see that. I could see that. Great person to, to play me. Yeah, yeah. She's one of my favorite. Who I would could... play you, Jason? Oh, I love her. Who would play me? Ben Affleck. Jay Baruchel. Who else? Yeah, I get I get Ben Affleck and Jay Baruchel. That's the two I get. It's like, okay. Unless Thanks. I was casting and then clearly Ryan Gosling would play you. Oh, <laughs> that was the best compliment matter. ever. You, know, you just made his You know who would play me? Me. I'm a pretty decent actor. I'll play myself. I know the part I well. I think I would want to play me too. If I were in a movie, I would want to play me. If yeah. it were about me. You would? You'd want to play you? I think so. Either that or Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I could see that. But that, yeah. 
All right, Miss Bridget, uh, do you have any pet peeves? Uh, I do. <laughs> um, God, I do. I, uh, um, oh, you're, it's so you funny haven't even you said, said it and you're annoyed. You. This is a good yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I do. The little things bother me. Um, you know, when you go out to a restaurant and I've gone out on dates and when the person I'm with does not look the waiter or the waitress in their eye, they don't, they just, I don't know what it's like. A like when they're thing. ordering? Like they mistreat the servers. Oh I yeah. Don't oh know. yeah, I for sure. Just, it's like right away. I'm like done. Like mm. right there. Well, I'm cause done. how they treat the server is how they're going to treat it's, you. That's what my mom always said. And I've had people, and it's not just even in that situation. Like I've had people treat me amazing, like mm -hmm. couldn't be nice to me. But in that same moment, I'll see them turn around and be so rude to someone else. And I'm like, it doesn't matter that you're being nice to me. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm out. And it's yeah. not because I'm worried you're not, you're going to do that to me. It's just, what is that in you mm -hmm. that you think you could treat, treat somebody like that? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I, I completely agree. I, yeah. And it just, it's just like a thing with me. I, I just, you know, I just, I don't know. I just think we could all be nicer to each other. And I don't care who you are or where you come from, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. everybody matters. Everybody matters. On the film set, same thing. You know, um, I care for my extras so much. My background players, I mean, they, they'll tell you I'm out there talking to them, um, whatever. they If they want to take pictures, but like I'll give them direction and... Um, it's not, I, it's just extras and background players on a movie. They're like treated like cattle a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're I've just done like, it. I know. Yeah. I mean, what is that about? Like to think that you have a scene without extras to think that your background players aren't making your scene. I mean, we've, even when you see snow babies, you're going to see in our scenes when we had hundreds of background players, they make the scene. They are a massive part of the scene. We don't have a scene without them yeah so are they the star of the film no they're not the star can they can they get the great meal probably not because we can't afford to give them the great meal but they're gonna but they're they're gonna be treated well and right. they're they're gonna be respected and and, and they're gonna know that they matter so it goes along that same line like, yeah sure you know? and Absolutely. that's what i've always said too with waiters like in servers and all that waitresses you everybody should have at least one year experience in the food business everybody needs to because that job's not easy it can not be very easy. stressful not taken away from any other right. stressful jobs but being a waitress waiter a bartender busser oh, all yeah. that it is very all difficult sometimes and it gets very stressful and when they're treated like crap it's like you got to deal with it because the customer's always right but you I, that's why I'm strongly feel like everybody should at least be in the food industry for a year, at least six months, just to get what it's like. So the next time you mistreat somebody ordering or handling your food, right? You, know, you think twice about it. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and I don't know if it comes from, oh, they think they're lower or something, but it's like, mm, yeah. actually, I'll leave right now with that waiter and you're going to be sitting here alone because you're not a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're uh, not okay. nice. <laughs> Uh, uh Miss Bridget, do you have a favorite hobby or something about you that would uh, surprise people to learn? A favorite hobby or something about me? I mean, I don't think it would be a surprise that uh, my editing, although that is my favorite hobby, is editing. Uh, but um, 
Uh, something surprised me to learn. Um, well, maybe that, you know, I love singing in the shower and all, but I would not, I would not, you know, assault somebody with my voice, you know, or, but, but I do <laughs> love, if I could, if you said, if there's one talent you, that I wish I had, it was to sing. Oh, and I would do it so passionately, but I, I, unfortunately I don't, I don't have it. So I, I put all my heart and soul into it when I'm alone. You, you and I <laughs> both. I was going to say, I do too. And I wish I could sing in front of people. Oh. It would be passionate as hell if I sing in front Me of people. Me too. But I can't. I'm just, just uh, not there. Sound yeah. good. I know. But I feel like do? I could <laughs> really tell a story through song. I yeah. feel like I do it but i don't have the voice i tell you what the person who plays me in the movie of me will be a singer as well and i'll just live through (laughs) i want him to be a rocker so yours will be a musical it'll be a musical (laughs) slash it'll be like um i got another tattoo bohemian rhapsody (laughs) it'll be like bohemian rhapsody it's about Uh, my life and stuff but there's some songs in there too you'll uh, see me on stage or here and there Oh, I love that it's a musical now. <laughs> right? I love we switched it. Got another neck tattoo. <laughs> tattoo. It'll be great. We'll pull it off. And now you see why I don't sing. That's, I was going to say, don't. Like, don't. <laughs> couldn't, I, couldn't I have gotten like Chris Cornell ears and vocals? No, I got this. Uh, Sounds good in your own head, Doug. <laughs> no, it doesn't even sound good there. <laughs> oh. Well, Miss Bridget Smith, uh, director uh, of Snow Babies and, of course, editor as well. And uh, we're really looking forward to it, folks. Look up uh, Snow Babies. That's S-N-O, Babies. Um, Anything else you'd like to tell us about the film? And um, for those maybe that are coming through recovery, looking towards recovery, that, that, you know, really this impacted you in working on this project that can leave them with something positive? Um, the most positive thing I could say is, um, as hard as it is, there's a hopeful, there is a hopeful ending. There's an ending that gives you a little hope. Um, it's a, it's a hard watch, um, but it's a necessary one. Yeah. And <clears throat> like I said, it's, um, um, it's one of those movies that it really, I think, shows you how much you could miss what's what's happening right in front of you and so i i still stand by i think parents parents all parents need to see it yeah. all parents need to see it and, and and all kids need to see it and you know it's a cautionary tale but <clears throat> it's it's an it's a necessary one and um you know and uh, and again the most important message is for, for those you know there's hope there's so much hope and there's in recovery and there's people there uh, that are wanting to help and if anything showed me that it's how many people jumped on to this film and jump and jumped on to get behind it because all of them are that help yeah. that th- that's who's behind this film it's the people saying we're here to help here we are you know just reach out and we'll pull you in you know and that's that was that was just such an amazing eye opener for me. You know how how much this means to so many. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Well, sure. we thank you so very much for your time and sharing. Uh, you know the story of the film and helping us get that out there. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to the watch. 
Yeah, thanks. I want to talk to you guys after you watch it. Yeah, all absolutely. right. Absolutely. <laughs> I it as well, yeah. Deal. I want, to, I want to hear your thoughts, but you can't give anything away, but it's going to be tricky. No, you got it. No, I, we will not. We promise. So thank okay. you again for your time. Thank yeah, you, thanks, Bridget. Guys. Appreciate you. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. Bridget Smith, what an awesome lady. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun. She was great. It's, you know, and folks, hopefully that uh, if you're listening, uh, please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcast. We're not now available on Amazon Music as well. You can uh, get us there and subscribe and, you know, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review and uh, spread the word because sure, some of the subject matter that we speak with, uh, with people can be a little bit heavy, but we also do have a lot of humor in here um and sometimes it just helps with the coping of yeah. it all and getting the story out and yeah so it helps bridget was absolutely amazing so hopefully we'll speak with miss bridget again and uh, looking forward to watching snow i was babies. gonna say i want to see the movie man i'm it, ready for it available september 29th snow babies it's going to be on all the platforms you could think of uh itunes amazon video voodoo google play and fandango now again september 29th the movie is snow babies and uh one that uh, I, I, you know, I think that I want to watch and maybe pass along to my kid's mom and then maybe as they get older, help them see it because, you know, they definitely have a, a history within the family directly with their dad of, of substance abuse. So I think it's important that we get these messages out there and it's not always pretty and that's just sometimes life, but that you can get on the other side. There's always hope. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Snow Babies, September 29th. Yep. And uh, if you want more on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, of course, one of our partners with Knocking Doors Down, you can go to carlosvierafoundation.org. Three great programs out there, the Race for uh, Autism, the Race to End the Stigma, and the Race to be Drug-Free. And speaking of that, the uh, third and final race of the Race to be Drug-Free, Big Three coming up October the 3rd at Madera Speedway. Carlos Vieira himself, the author of uh, Knocking Doors Down, founder of KDD Media Company, 5150 Live the Madness, and of course his foundation. Uh, he'll be competing in that event, so we're very much looking forward to that. And we're going to put links out where uh, if you are a fan of some NASCAR-style action, short track action, Madera Speedway, a place near and dear to my heart, uh, we'll be having links posted up on social media where you can watch that race. And remember, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> he, he, Mikey's been staring at me the whole time just waiting to get that out. Uh, but uh, yeah, okay, whatever you say. No, no, Mikey, you can finish second. Heck, you can finish fifth. Uh, but uh, we're definitely looking forward to that event. I will uh, most likely have a presence with knocking doors down there. And um, so make sure that you guys check it out. It is a great event, great cause, and it continues to raise that awareness about uh, substance abuse issue problems and that there is help. There is hope. It all just takes a little bit of a spark to get hope fired up and uh, make change. Anything else, Mr. Naraki? Nope. Until next Thursday, people. On that note, keep knocking doors down.
The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knockin' Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content, establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.